On this episode of the Highlander Podcast, we talk with Patrick Kelly, Director of Education at Stokes Nature Center. We discuss nature centers, the importance of outdoor education, and what he loves about the outdoors. Welcome back, everybody. This is Chase, and today I've got Patrick Kelly, Director of Education at Stokes Nature Center, here. Thanks for taking some time to come up to campus. Absolutely. Happy to come up to campus. It's a beautiful day. Yeah. Well, thank you again for taking the time and and excited to get into Stokes Nature Center. It's really an institution here in Cache Valley. Um, For a lot of people, probably wouldn't even know it's there. It's tucked away as you're driving up Logan Canyon, Um, but been here for a long time. So important to the canyon, to the valley. And we just thought it was, you know, we really need to get someone in here to talk about what you guys are offering. And you're doing so much for the community. Uh, We had to talk to you about it. So thanks for coming up. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, do you mind telling me a little bit more about your role with, with Stokes and, and how that came about? I know you're relatively, I mean, 2018 is when you started in the position. And yeah. Do you mind telling us what does the director of education do and how you came upon that position? Yeah. So um, as you mentioned, I'm the director of education. And what that means is I um, am in charge of the education programming and the direction of how our education program is moving. Um, but also being in a nonprofit realm, you wear a lot of different hats, which really makes my uh, life exciting. I really like having a lot of um, uh, being able to contribute to that overall mission in a lot of different ways. Um, so I work with the National Forest Service and the Logan Ranger District to do some of our free programming that we do as a part of the Logan Canyon Children's Forest designation that we hold. Um, I help put on the summer camps and the summer camp programming, hiring, um, lining up speakers for speaker series, things like that. And then some of the more administrative things like budgets and learning new Excel spreadsheet formulas. And uh, um, we're also doing uh, interpretive signage for the city of Nibley's new Firefly Nature Park. So we just Mm. did our first three panels and I just yesterday started on our next three panels for the city of Nibley for that new nature park that we're really excited about. Um, but yeah, I've been in the role since June of 2018. I came down here from Denali National Park, Alaska, and I was up there for about three years. And before that, I kind of bopped around Alaska a little bit more. Um, but yeah, I've been here in Logan since then, and I've got my first full year under my belt. And absolutely love it and love the organization and the community and the national forest is just an absolute gem i really am loving my time up there and such an incredible venue home base for stokes yeah if people don't know is it even less than a mile mile up the canyon yeah so you go past first dam or after um where they just lowered the speed limit down to 40 and you go in maybe about three quarters of a mile to a mile um, you can park over on the right hand or the southern shoulder, and then it's about a quarter mile hike up to the actual nature center. And that location is just, it's prime. Um, you know, it's tucked back a little bit, like you said, but it's right next to the Logan River. It's in a historic cabin. Um, there's a wonderful area for folks to picnic or hang out and just interact with our natural landscape we have. Um, and now that we have that new connecting trail, you can actually go right from campus, you know, anywhere where there's sidewalks in Logan, you can get right to the nature center, which is really amazing. And that trail is so beautiful. I love walking it in all seasons and just 
seeing which flowers are out and then which berries and then where's the frost hitting and yeah i love it it's it's tucked back it's a nice little it's a good little haunt yeah yeah <laughs> it's a it's a great space do you do you mind talking a little bit about what the mission of the organization education is i, I think I imagine one of the big big components of, of what Stokes is here to do, but what's the mission of, of the organization? Yeah, so our mission is to provide nature education and promote outdoor exploration for people of all ages. And so we run a variety of educational programming um, and then also outdoor exploration programming, just really making sure folks are connecting in meaningful ways to our home environment. Um, if you went to Wasatch Cache National Forest, you know, five minutes from USU, 2.1 million acres. It's the size of Yellowstone National Park. Wow. And a lot of people, that surprises them when I say this is the size of Yellowstone. And it has, you know, it might not have the geysers, but we have wildflowers. We have just this abundance out here of potential for interaction in whichever way you like. Um, and I really love just having people learn how and discover how they want to connect with this amazing space whether it's through mountain biking or backpacking or hunting or riding your quad or your snow machine and high marking where appropriate and just wrapping up there there's all sorts of different amazing ways to interact with this landscape we have out here right and i love that you're promoting responsible use of you know recreational activities yeah. of all kinds right absolutely it's, it's a very yeah. inclusive <laughs> approach to however you want to get outside as long as it's responsible and protecting and yeah. You know, taking care of the land, however you want to get outside. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. There's, you know, as long as you're being respectful and you're leaving no trace and really having that appreciation with where you are, you know, if you're on a dirt bike, great. Go for it. Dirt bikes are fun. If you're out hunting, you know, it's grouse season right now. I was just out hunting this past weekend. You know, even if you don't get a harvest you're at least getting a really good hike in and learning where all the thick brush is right and so you're having these really um personal intimate interactions with the land through whichever means you would like right and for a lot of people you know going up to tony grove lake and paddle boarding and having that family time so there's really no i shouldn't say there's no wrong way there's no wrong responsible way to be interacting with right. our yellowstone sized backyard yeah right yeah, I, I love that you put it in that, that perspective because I didn't realize the sheer size that we have in our backyard. That's incredible. Yeah. Um, and it's right here, five minutes away for most people. Absolutely. Five minutes from campus. Um, do you mind talking a little bit more about really how the organization got started? Uh, I didn't realize it had been around since 97. Yeah, so we've been around since 1997, going on 22 years, wow. doing my mental Excel spreadsheets. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so we're named after Alan and Alice Stokes, and their story is just incredible. Um, so Alan and Alice um, actually met through Aldo Leopold, who is considered, um, if not the father, at least one of the fathers of the American conservation movement. Um, he was based out of uh, Wisconsin. He wrote a sound, a sound, pardon me, a sand county almanac, hmm. which is just a really wonderful seasonal memoir about his personal experiences with place and just really being rooted and aware of the seasonality of where he is. So Alan was actually the last student of Aldo Leopold and actually helped edit mm. uh, a Sand County Almanac, which is an American classic. And 
he met Alice, who was Alder Leopold's secretary at the time. Hmm. They met, they got married, um, and eventually, I believe it was 1952, he came to Utah State University hmm. and taught in what's today the Quinney College of Natural Resources. He taught wildlife behavior and management, and he taught here for 24 years. And I believe he won the, or was awarded, um, I forget the specific title but something along the lines of professor of the year the first time ever someone from the college of natural resources had been awarded that and he was just a a force of education he um really focused on meaningful interactions and having personal experiences in these natural places so getting out from sort of your four corners of your textbook or today what would be the glowing rectangles of our screens and getting out there, interacting, and just really paying attention in a very um, almost romantically scientific means. If you're familiar with the the Muries at all, uh, Olas and Adolf Muri, um, just going out and having that observational scientific approach. And he really made an impact on the community. His wife, Alice, worked with uh, the deaf community, specifically with Uh, children living um, with hearing impairments and after he retired in I believe it was 74 um, was very involved in the Audubon and still very very involved in our local Logan nature community and then eventually um, this idea got started to start a nature center right here in Mm -hmm. Logan and doing that in the honor of Alan and Alice um, because they were so instrumental and so um, Alan unfortunately died in 1996, but in 97, the Nature Center was founded. Um, originally, it was the Alice and Alan Stokes Nature Center, because that's Alan wanted to put Alice's name first. But after he passed, she kind of undid that and said, mm. no, Alan should be first. Huh. Um, and so, yeah, it got started in 97 and been humming along ever since. Um, we're in the same facility. We've undergone, obviously, a touch-up since then, making sure we're you know, not living still in the mid-90s. Those were interesting times, and I'm glad we're past. Um, But yeah, that's a little bit about the history of the Nature Center, kind of how we got started and our namesakes. Right, and is Alice Alice still part of the organization? Uh, Alice passed away, um, I believe, in the early 2000s. Okay, yeah. Okay. I believe 2006, if my memory serves, yeah. So interesting that, you know, since they've, they've both passed... How is it being a part of an organization to, to continue that legacy? I mean, do they have family that's connected to it? How is that being a part of an organization where you're trying to continue the legacy of those who, who aren't around anymore? Yeah, absolutely. So we continue the legacy primarily through conducting the same work that Alan and Alice were doing. Um, you know, going out there, focusing on what made both of them very influential special and teachers that were able to connect with people no matter what and really um there's a wonderful saying i believe it's by uh either paulo friere or miles horton who were um, some emancipatory uh education leaders in the early 20th century but we make the road by walking and i very much believe that alan alice made that road by walking and we're very fortunate to see what direction they were going and to continue to forge that road through our own movement. Mm. Oh, that's awesome. That's great. Well, it seems like you're doing an incredible job. Do you mind talking a little bit about the types of opportunities 
um, that that people can engage with with yeah. Stokes? What are the opportunities um, to get outside that that you offer? Absolutely. So the first thing we have is our nature center. That's absolutely free. Um, we're open Fridays and Saturdays during spring through fall. We're closed during the winter, but it's a great place just to come in and explore, start to learn a little bit about the history of Logan Canyon, sort of parts of the resource that make it very special. Um, and then very much we invite you to, after you visit the Nature Center, go out and explore. Don't just come and stop. Consider it a yield coming in, getting that uh, front load of information and then going on your own adventure. Um, we also run uh, free uh, programs every single week. So we have a program for parents and toddlers called Nature Tales. It's a story time with a craft and it's really uh, engaging for um, our youngest audience and their parents to come out and experience the Nature Center. And that's Fridays um, at 11. And then on Saturdays, we have a free speaker series with primarily local experts. A lot of USU faculty um, and graduate students who come in and talk about what they're studying specific to our northern Utah region and to Logan Canyon. So those are some really great free opportunities that we have every single week. That's it's a ton of fun coming in and learning just all these things you just have no idea about because you're just, you know, I'm not reading scientific journals. I don't have the, maybe not the capacity, but the time and the patience for um, that type of language. And so having folks come and just be humans and talk to you very candidly about what's going on is really, really great. Um, one of my favorite programs we run is we have a nature preschool. And so we have our preschoolers are up there during the school year, even in winter. Um, they're up there, they're hiking that, you know, quarter mile in the snow and they're loving it. It's a wonderful, wonderful program. We do a lot of Montessori work um, with our preschoolers. <coughs> Pardon me. Um, I love that program. It's one of my favorite ones to go and substitute teach because you just hang out with preschoolers and you get to just see how they're interacting just with each other and building those social connections and then interacting with nature. And our teachers are really fantastic about uh, leaning into the natural exploration of those students. And so, you know, we'll find, we'll be digging in the sand, we'll find a lo like a hibernating locust or something like that. We'll go, we'll show the kids and we'll put under a microscope and then we'll let it back go. Um, we also have um, summer camps that we run during the summer for um, first through eighth graders. We do high school backpacking mm. in the national forest for high schoolers. That's a ton of fun taking young people out, um, teaching them that the more you know, the less you need, um, how to pack a pack, how to work as a team, how to stay bear safe. Um, yeah, we have Canyon Jams. Obviously, that's one of our um, outdoor exploration programs, getting people out into this beautiful natural amphitheater and just relaxing, enjoying, eating food, having just a really great time um, watching the cliff swallows dive all over the place. Pardon me. Um, I love Canyon Jams. It's, it's a lot of fun. How long has Canyon Jams been going on? Is, is that a pretty recent addition? Yeah, or? so I believe about three or four years we've been having Canyon Jams. I want to say th this is our third year. Um, that's not under my umbrella, yeah. but I still uh, love working it and getting out there and things like that. And it's 
it's really picked up over the past few years to the point where we're starting to see other summer concert series kind of come up yeah. and say like, hey, we're outdoors too. We're also in these beautiful locations and pulling in these uh, great local and also uh, touring bands, which is really ni- neat. Yeah, Right. I think everything that you're doing to drive people up the canyon and getting people outside is, is just incredible. How is it for you personally to, to be a part of that work where maybe you're taking someone who maybe traditionally hasn't spent time outside and you're introducing yeah. them almost to a, a whole world that's in their backyard that maybe they they didn't know about. How's that for you personally to be a part of that journey for people? Yeah, it's great. I mean, I kind of think I fell into my job a little bit just because of the nature of my work. Um, I've always really enjoyed working outside. My, I think, culminating experience that really threw me on this path was I was a uh, backpacking guide in New Mexico for a couple summers and just really enjoyed being out there with people, teaching them skills, and then seeing them grow through the application of those skills. And then from there, um, just kind of pivoting more towards education and environmental ethics and really working with people to uh, discover what their personal ethic is. I don't believe that you can come in to any community and have a top-down approach and say, this is what proper environmental ethic is. I think that's very irresponsible and insensitive to the personal experience and the personal history people have. And so coming here to Logan and really discovering what is the inherent ethic and what are the beautiful and responsible things about that inherent ethic and leaning into them. Because I think the wilderness ethic here and the environmental ethic here is obviously going to be very different from Delaware or New York City, but also it's different from Ogden and it's different Mm -hmm. from Tooele. And so what makes it very unique? Um, And I love being a part of that conversation and learning um, from elders and people who have been here a long time and being able to cognizantly participate in the uh, ever-continuous forging of that, that ethic through my own experiences and helping other people have those. There's nothing greater than taking uh, city slickers out and pointing up at the sky in the middle of the night. And they're so confused at why there's so many stars or what that cloud's doing. And you're like, that's not a cloud. That's the Milky Way. Like this is hundreds of billions of stars and galaxies that you're seeing right here. Like we're looking in the past and just um, especially... Uh, working with young people and having worked with young people for over a decade, seeing how that shift has really occurred and how more and more folks aren't getting those um, experiences in a very um, unencumbered environment, unencumbered by uh, pick your poison. Right. <laughs> yeah. What What's the impact that you've seen on on kids is you know and it could be a variety of ages from preschool to yeah to toddlers to you know even to high school what does that experience of going outside do for these kids as they're growing up in your experience what have you seen yeah in my personal experience you know when i first got started um i and still i very much love working with young people and specifically um teenagers who are starting to become self-aware and going through those Cognitive, uh, cognitive exercises and emotional experiments in terms of where they belong in their own social networks 
and then where they um, can really self-identify and concretize their identity. Um, you know, 10 years ago, working with kids that didn't have smartphones, didn't have camera phones, didn't have on-demand everything. Yeah. Um, I, you know, it's hard when you're in the moment to really look at that and say, well, how's it going to, how is this different than what it's going to be in 10 years? Um, but what I've noticed especially is folks, especially uh, decision-making skills mm. when there's no Google. Because, um, you know, working out in, uh, in my time working in Denali National Park, there's no trails out there. It's pure cross-country wilderness. And we get to a river and we ask our students, because um, it's very much self-driven, how are we going to cross this river? Where is the safest place? And you need to tell us why that's the safest place and argue for that plan. And what I've noticed over the past 10 years is it uh, takes longer for students to slip into um, a collaborative and democratic decision-making process than it did prior, um, which is really interesting. So folks are like, they kind of stand around for a couple minutes. They don't really know what to do. It's like, well, let's make some observations. Let's do some tests. Let's throw rocks in the river to see if it goes all the way to the bottom, how fast the current is. Um, but the good news is, is after three or four days, they've forgotten how sore their thumbs are from <laughs> typing and all that kind of stuff. And um, especially as the group starts to bond and they start to have uh, cohesive shared experiences that they can then build their own group culture from, they start to work very, very efficiently still. Um, so at the end of the day, we're not, you know, we're not robots <laughs> still, which is very, very great. Um, but it does take longer for young people to, in general, slip and really embrace not knowing and being okay with that and then forging um, an answer from the collective experience and knowledge of peers, which has right. been interesting. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting. I, I hadn't thought about it from that perspective uh, without having that immediate delivery of information or a solution. Yeah you've got to come up with your own solution based on observation and tests. So yeah. That's, that's really interesting. Yeah, You can't Google that stream crossing. You can't Google right. which tree am I going to hang this bear bag in? Right. Yeah. Right. And, and that spills over into other aspects of life once they return to, to yeah. their city or town. And absolutely. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, so, so many benefits, absolutely. For especially as, as children are developing, you know, to, yeah. to grow this ability to, to yeah. think for themselves and find solutions. Yeah, and I think especially forging self-identity through right. experiences that aren't predicated upon um, society, to be a bit blunt. So when you go out into a wilderness setting, it's not you against any system except that system which is inherent. So if you're backpacking, if you're mountain biking, um, if you're going out on a hunt or trapping, you're not necessarily uh, interacting with a social net. You're interacting with, it feels like just raw experience. And that's very empowering for mm. all people. Right. So I, I'd want to go back to to your history. How did yeah. you come to Logan? Where were you before? You mentioned being up in Alaska. Yeah. What was your journey um to Logan and to Stokes, like what brought you here? How did you get to um, this place? How far back do you want to go? <laughs> um, you know, as far back as you want to share. All right. Um, so growing up, um, I won't give you my birth story, although it is, it's a hoot. 
Um, but growing up, I so I was born in Washington State, and then early on moved to Florida. My dad's work took us down to Central Florida. Grew up outside Orlando. I call it the uh, the swampy orange heart of the state. <laughs> kind of like where all those Florida man stories are. Yes, I can be like. Oh, I've been to that Denny's. I, 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 or oh, like, I met that guy. Yeah, like yeah. I think I went to high school with him. Yeah. Um. So grew up there and was involved in the Boy Scouts. Um, the natural world in Florida felt very aggressive to me. Everything's trying to bite you or sting you or attack you. Yeah. It's like ninety-five degrees at night, hundred yeah. percent humidity, and you're just like summer camp in the swamp is not yeah. an ideal place for a. I'm, you know coming especially from the Pacific Northwest. Um, so grew up there, um, was very involved in the Scouts, and then I had um, an experience where I was able to go backpacking outside of the state for the first time and see mountains and um, really participate in that montane experience and loved it. I was like, this is awesome. Like, I was out in New Mexico and, like, it can be warm, but it can be dry. But when it rains, it stops. And it's not like there's not tornadoes and hurricanes everywhere. Like, this is great. Um, and so since then, I um, went to Florida State University for my undergrad. Um, ended up working for their outdoor programs and just getting a lot of hard skills under my belt. Learned all about rock climbing and whitewater and um, mountain biking and everything. Uh, those technical skills. And then after undergrad, I didn't know what I was going to do. Like most people, I kind of like had uh, said to myself, well, I'm going to go to grad school and study religion. My undergrad's in Middle Eastern studies. Oh, wow. So I focused on yeah. first century radical Judaism, like the Dead Sea Scrolls, and specifically the apocalyptic literature, which was always a pick-me-up when you're... Yeah. <laughs> Um, and so I had a friend that said, you know, there's a grad program in Alaska for outdoor and environmental ed education. And I was like, I guess I can do something I want to do. Like that yeah. sounds like fun. So right. I went up to uh, Alaska Pacific University, knew no one in the state, just went up there with a backpack, um, and absolutely loved it. Um, worked my tail off, uh, you know, being a typical grad student living in my car in January and freezing my bum off and just, wow. <laughs> um, just really working at it. And then, um, was very fortunate to have a series of professional jobs line, uh, just line themselves up and yeah, just continued to work up there and really loved and fell in love with the people, especially, um, and the place and just the kinds of experiences you're able to have in a place that is untrammeled and to be able to walk out your back door into places where people have never been or at least you can um, project that you know uh, Alaska Native peoples have been there for at least 10,000 years so oh, chances are people yeah. have been where you are but still it feels um feels uncharted it feels uncharted um even if it isn't for homo sapiens it, it at least is for yourself um so i was up there and eventually um started working for they're called the denali education center in denali national park which is another nonprofit. Mm -hmm. i was a naturalist so i got to go hiking every day showing people flowers and animals and birds and loved it and then a year-round position came open 
for their youth programs manager. So running all the youth programs in the national park. I was fortunate enough to be hired on there. Loved that job. Um, was able to do some amazing work. Worked with, we uh, ran the first ever all Alaska Native high school backpacking program in a national park um, where um, students who are Alaska Native participated, earned high school credit, and experienced federal lands in a very positive way because there's historically a lot of um, justified tension between Alaska Native peoples who have lived here for, um, you know, as long as agriculture was, has been invented, two and a half or about one and a half times as long as writing has been an invention, people have been living in this space um, and really loved my work up there. But in the winter, it's very dark. Um, we got about 45 minutes or so of direct sunlight and uh, coming from Florida and then going to where it's dark and 50 below zero and you know I was living in a cabin and didn't have internet and didn't have a lot of amenities I didn't have my dog um, and so you're just like all right this is I'm a little bummed yeah um, so I was looking for jobs and this job opened up in Logan I looked at the weather it said it's sunny um, you know, there's a, a family-run ski hill just half a mile up. I yep. love to snowboard. And I was like, all right, I'll give it a shot. Came down, and I absolutely love it. So that's a bit of a, a long and yet truncated story, yeah. but that's a bit about how I ended up in Logan. That's great. And and how's your experience been so far? Uh, you know, you, you mentioned um, each community really has their own ethics yeah. around the outdoors. What What have you perceived being in the community now for – over a year, yeah. Um, what do you observe about Cache Valley and and the region, and how feel people feel about yeah the resources and access that they have to outdoor experiences? Yeah. Well, I think the caveat should start with about a year in Cache Valley. But yeah. what I've noticed over the past year, um, just interacting with people in the national forest, you know, people are getting out there for all the right reasons. Um, there's Everyone I've run into, they have a personal desire, whether that's exploration or the seeking of novel experiences or just um, it's a family pastime to go out and really going out and having fun. And that's really what we should be doing out there, going out, having fun responsibly um, and really just, you know, uh, I think. Edward Abbey, one of the Utah's great uh, literatos, uh, said it's not enough to fight for the land. It's more important to enjoy it while you can. Mm. And so I think people in Cache Valley, while there is a deep respect for the land and the history and all of the stakeholders, whether they're um, herding cattle and sheep or they're out backpacking or they're out in these wilderness areas, everyone's out there for... Um, very meaningful reasons and i very much resonate and appreciate that um you know talking to people that are driving their sheep it's a lot of fun hearing about that history and their story and kind of how um sheep herders helped get our national forest really up and running and then talking with people who maybe don't have um an as open perspective on sheep herding and um, multiple use and then finding where those balances strike. And so I think 
what's beautiful about Logan too is that there is such diversity in those ethics. Um, but I think what underlies them all is just that shared appreciation and the knowledge that we're all in it together. We're all out here and everyone's so friendly. Everyone waves, everyone says hi. It's yeah. great, yeah. <laughs> what, what was your, had you been to Utah before? Had you been to, you hadn't been to Cache Valley before, I, no, I'm yeah. assuming, right? My only time in Utah was on a road trip with a buddy. We stopped through um, Zion and Bryce I think we were up in the, the I think it's the Wildcat Wilderness for a few okay. days because the Narrows was booked. Yeah. And we're just like, all right, we'll go out here and saw some cool kind of off the beaten path arches and had to let all the sediment <laughs> get to the bottom of our water bottles yeah. before drinking them. And, um, but that was my only interaction with yeah. Utah. Um, but I've, you know, driving into Cache Valley for the first time, I was, it was it's gorgeous. What like, time of year was that? It was June. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It was June. It was warm and it was dry and it was sunny. And the AC in my car blew out about 40 miles from town. And it's just me and my dog. And, you know, there's nothing gets old about seeing the sunrise over one set of mountains and seeing the sunset over another. Mm -hmm. um, and then being out at sunrise, whether in Cutler Marsh or um you know out in the mountains it's yeah it's it's a beautiful beautiful place and um i'm very happy with the current population density yeah <laughs> i yeah. don't fare well in a bustling metropolis right yeah, yeah that's a whole nother <laughs> conversation we could get yeah. into. Uh, but what are you what are some of your favorite activities or or places that that you like to enjoy here yeah. in the valley or or you know in the region yeah, I mean, I I have a dog. I love getting out with her. She's still a pup. She's uh, only about two. And so every morning we go hiking up Dry Canyon. It's right there. We'll, you know, put in two miles in the morning. She can run all around. And it's a three-minute drive from home. And it's just beautiful. It's, for the most part, untrammeled. It's great. You see in other friendly people. Yeah. And you're out there and you'd think there'd be a bunch of people and it's just, oh, like maybe there's just, you know, another person with their dogs out there. Mm -hmm. um, I love Temple Fork. Um, I love going up the Sawmill Trail. It's about five miles round trip. You really get this beautiful open terrain that starts at first and it's just littered with beaver uh, dams and beaver lodge. And then you eventually bump up into some of the thicker conifers and it gets a bit cooler and shadier. The flowers shift. You see um, a lot more vivacious uh, aquatic and semi-aquatic plants or riparian plants. Um, the birds change. And then you eventually pop up into that historic sawmill site. And again, you just get these beautiful views of the mountains. I love it there. Um, the Mount Naomi wilderness. There's nothing I love more than just parking at that backcountry trailhead. And just striking out and going and seeing some cool stuff. Um, again, plants and just the smell of fir trees just never gets old. After you go through those switchbacks, there's this one canopy, maybe about two-thirds of the way up to uh, Tony Grove. And if you roll down the windows, you just get smacked in the face, which is the smell of fir. And if you've been around conifers, you know it's not spruce, you know it's not pine, and you know that's fir. It's like, I, I know what kind... They're flat and friendly, the needles. Like, that's my boy. Um, 
and then per <laughs> i also really love beaver mountain i love yeah. snowboarding up there while i do like climbing mountains to ride down man there's something about a chairlift that just yeah yeah you can't, <laughs> you can't beat, beat it right you just say hi to the lifty you ride on up you ride on down it's it's meditative i really like it yeah um and the chili cheese fries man you can't beat the chili cheese fries right yeah, yeah that's <laughs> awesome that's great um what are what are some of the opportunities that you see that Cache Valley could take advantage of when it comes to building or strengthening the outdoor industry here? Yeah, I think um, just finding small groups of like-minded folks um, who have the patience and also the expertise to really help build technical skills for people. Mm. Um, a really big barrier to outdoor rec is price point and then skills you know if you want to get into mountain biking it's one thing to like my mountain bike was gifted to me from a from a good friend of mine and it works well i love it it gets the job done and it's not a three thousand dollar piece of equipment but for a lot of folks you know there is that price point of even getting a mountain bike right um, and then once you have it what trails do you go on how do you transport that bike what's the proper safety equipment you need um so there are some local groups that are popping up i know of um but i think really i look forward to seeing more and more um self-organized groups get out whether it's friends groups or they're um all women's groups or they're all beginner groups or they're looking at um you know new piece of terrain backcountry terrain every week um those uh, self-generative uh, groups of people that have that shared passion and that shared interest because then you, especially if there's an educational pathway you can start to pull in people that are not um, that don't all look the same dress the same eat the same food um, having that diversity that's united by these shared outdoor experiences which is tons of fun there's right. nothing i love more than going out with folks that just have walked a completely different life but you've ended up on the same trail for some reason and um just learning about them and through that education and through their stories also being able to reflect and learn about yourself and looking at folks with a uh, yeah with new a uh, bit of bandaging bandaging your eyes with awe kind of thing right yeah that's it's a question that we've asked um all of our guests is what would you like to see changed or improved and and you know infrastructures come up a little bit and and we're seeing changes there i think yeah with, you know having a trails planner that's Absolutely. building out the trail yeah. system we're seeing updates on the logan river uh, making that more accessible um uh, you know others have talked about just awareness letting people know all of the great assets yeah. that we have and I think this is the first time that, that someone's brought education and trying to um, close the skills gap or the education gap. And, yeah. I, you know, I've felt that way that, you know, some of these outdoor activities can be really daunting. Like, absolutely. If I don't have friends who know how to climb, how do I start climbing? Right. Yeah. Where do I where do I start down that path? Um, you know, if I don't want to have to go buy all the equipment or, yeah. you know, I don't have friends that I trust, you know, when I'm, when I'm there climbing are those up friends. on the wall. Right. <laughs> um, 
and so that's that's huge so i'm glad to hear you mention that and that we're making some good strides and there's some groups popping up to to support people and help introduce people to different sports and activities yeah and i think one of my favorite organizations locally affiliated with the university is the outdoor programs right um they've got the equipment they've got the expertise and um, especially for university students that's really when i started gaining my hard skills i didn't grow up backpacking rock climbing Mm -hmm. mountain biking that was not my home environment my home environment was um much different from that we just didn't also have the access opportunities um but yeah so going out with other young people who want to share um and yeah the direct or the uh uh assistant direct pardon me director over there greg davis is an awesome guy and he runs a really great staff and yeah they're they're a hoot and a half yeah Yeah. that's a huge (laughs) huge resource for the community um how do we stay in touch with Stokes? How do we you know, find out what you guys are offering, what's going on? How do we stay in touch with you? Yeah, so we have programs that are happening all the time, every single week. We have special workshops that happen throughout the year. Um, we have our website, logannature.org. And then we have an active Facebook page. If you just look up Stokes Nature Center and you, you do the old like thing, um, you'll get our updates about all of our programs and any special events that we have coming up and things like that. Um, those are two main avenues um, for communication. Yeah, that's, that's great. And you've got a lot going on for people of all ages, Absolutely. all s- all skill sets, uh, just a great resource. Glad to have you here in the yeah. community. And again, thanks for taking some time to come up and share what you guys are working on, what you're building. Yeah, absolutely. It's so much fun. I, you know, like I said, I'm very fortunate that my job happens to be aligned with my work that preceded this job. And so it's, it's a heck of a lot of fun. I love it. (laughs) That's hard to find. And, but I feel like more and more people, you know, you can have fun and have a job and do that in the outdoor industry. Right. Yeah, absolutely. One of the benefits. So again, thanks for coming up. Thanks for taking some time. Of course. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the Highlander podcast. For more outdoor stories and content, connect with us on highlandermag.com. Thank you.